You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. The true liberty is our freedom from the tyranny of having to earn our way to God. The liberty is our freedom from guilt and sin and the condemnation thereof. Freedom from the penalty and the power and eventually freedom from the presence of sin itself. What was at stake here? What were Paul and Barnabas arguing so vehemently about? What was at stake here? For one thing, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ was at stake. A slave is bound by his master, kept down by the things that are binding him, based on the rules of his master. But today, you get to hear Pastor Dave talk about being free, not being a slave. It's so liberating to realize that God's salvation through grace is what saves you. You don't have to earn it or work to make up for a wrongdoing. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 15 as he continues his message, Only by Grace. This seems to happen when you have false teachers. They're always doing something without the consent or authority from the church. They do it on their own. They take it on their own because their message is more important than the message of the church, and they want to spread their message. They don't recognize the authority of the church. They don't recognize the leadership of the church. They believe that their message is so much more important. So without consent or authority, they begin to spread their teachings to whomever will listen. And this always leads to problems. This always leads to problems. Remember back in Acts 14, verse 2, when the unbelieving Jews stirred up and poisoned the minds against the brethren? That's what these false teachers are doing, and that's what false teachers do. They stir up the minds of the believers against the other believers, and you have contention. You have confusion. It's interesting to me what John Corson said in his commentary. He said, perhaps these men were sincere. Nonetheless, they were sincerely wrong in insisting that the new Gentiles believer be circumcised before they could be saved. In other words, they were wrong to insist to become a Christian, one first must become a Jew. See, one can be seer in what you do, and you can be sincerely wrong as you do it. And what happens next is no small surprise. This usually happens when false teaching is occurring and it is exposed. Look at, look at Acts 15.2. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others should of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles, the elders, about this question. Huh. No small dissension and dispute. I guess not. This is a nice way of saying that they had a pretty big argument. I'm sure there was shouting. I'm sure tempers flared. I'm sure people were coming back and forth at each other. What was the result of this dispute? Division. That's the result. This is usually the tragic result of false teaching. Division. The church is divided. Confusion rams and runs rampant in the church. And who's victorious? Satan is victorious. He's forever searching for ways to cause disunity among the brethren. 
I mean, look at the scenario here. Paul and Barnabas had a great experience on their journey. Many, many people came to the Lord. A plentiful harvest ensued. Many came to faith and were born again into a living hope. They came back to the church full of hope, full of excitement. And as they shared with the church the experiences, the excitement spread to the brethren in the church. Excitement was abounding. People were having all kinds of hope. They glorified the Lord. The word of God was taught. Did they really think Satan was just going to sit around and do nothing? Did they really think, were they, I, I, were they that unaware, that naive? Have you ever noticed in your life when you've had a great time of worship, when you've had a great Bible study, when you've heard the word of God taught and you really get lifted up, you go to a retreat or a conference and you come back and you're so full of the Holy Spirit, you're so full of this wondrous and you're just like beaming, what happens? Bam. It's like he's waiting as soon as you walk out the door. He's waiting for you to hit you with a circumstance or, or something here, here and there. Why? Because he wants to steal that joy that you've gotten, to steal that joy that you had. He loves to take that joy. And we're always blindsided, even though we should be prepared. I, myself, we're blindsided. It's like we think it can't happen. It happened to the apostles when they came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. They couldn't heal the boy. They couldn't heal the demonic boy. Soon after Paul and Barnabas returned and reported all the mighty things that the Lord had accomplished, these guys come along. R. Kent Hughes gives this description. Goodbye, free grace. Goodbye, joy. These men, these Judaizers, did not deny salvation by grace per se, but they said that salvation came by grace plus, specifically grace plus circumcision. These were the kind of ecclesiastical wet blankets who can listen to the testimony of a new convert and say, well, that's okay, but there's something more that you must do before you have the whole package. It can't be that simple. These Judaizers did not know the joy of the pure grace that God has given us. They did not know the joy of God's divine favor freely given to us. You have that joy today? You know that joy of the grace that God has given us? Or are you living under the heavy burden of Legalism. You're living under the heavy burden of the do's and the don'ts. That's a bad place to be because when you're there, you have burdens galore. You don't have joy. You don't have peace. You're always looking around for some way to get out of that, to do something, to help yourself, to come out from under that. When everything you need has been done for you on the cross. It's been completed on the cross of Jesus Christ. He lifted the burden of sin off of you when he died on that cross. His blood cleansed you from all sin. It was his blood and his blood alone that did that. If you don't know that joy today, it's my fervent prayer that you will. My fervent prayer that you will experience that joy. The joy that can only come from abounding in the grace of God. And knowing that it's real and that by faith you claim that grace of God as your own and you say, thank you. And you walk in that liberty that God has given it. Not a license to sin. Not a license to do wrong. A liberty not to sin. A liberty not to do the wrong things. A liberty that only can come from knowing the pure grace of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible wants you to have. The Antioch church decides, you know what? We're going to send Paul Barnabas to Jerusalem to ask the elders and the apostles about that. This is a smart move. Let's get it right. Let's
let's get it right. Let's go to Jerusalem and ask them this question. Is this true? What's going on here? I mean, Jerusalem was the home of the mother church. Jerusalem was also the center of Judaism. It was in the center of Judea. Kind of a scary place to go for these guys. Look in verse three. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles. They also caused great joy to the brethren. As Paul and Barnabas make their way to Jerusalem, they're still Paul and Barnabas. They're still doing the things that they normally do. They're walking along, spreading the joy of the Lord, telling people about the wonderful conversions of the Gentiles, and people are having joy, great joy to all brethren. There's that joy again. Look at the contrast here, will you please? Look at the contrast between joy and legalism. Joy, no burden. Liberty, legalism, heavy burden. Can't get out from under it. A yoke around my neck compared to the great joy that Barnabas teaches and Paul teaches through Christ. There are churches today that are teaching legalism. And those churches are placing a yoke around the necks of those who are attending and they're stealing the joy from their hearts. These churches are telling people that they're not good enough because they haven't obeyed this commandment or haven't done this thing or they haven't shown enough fruit in their lives. They're saying that you must do this and do that and do and do and do and do. A lot of do. And if you don't, you certainly aren't saved. We have proof. Look, you're not saved. These people leave these churches beaten and defeated. They leave without joy because they place a heavy yoke upon them. It's like me walking around, okay, today what we're going to do, I'm going to take a, I have about 40 anvils up here. I want you to carry one out when you leave, all right? Everybody want to carry these anvils? They say, Jesus on them. Carry this anvil with you. Put it on your shoulder and carry it out. I'm going to give one to everybody. That's what it's like. A heavy yoke, a heavy burden of walking through life. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Instead of walking with your head up in joy and peace and loving Christ the way he wants you to love him. What do you think the abundant life is all about? Joy is so important. David writes in Psalm 5, verse 11, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you, Lord. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those who love your name be joyful in you. There's a What a wonderful thing. He again writes in Psalm 16, verse 11, you, Lord, will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at the right hand are pleasures evermore. Jesus himself said in John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain with you and that your joy may be full. Paul himself says in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The gospel message brings joys to the heart of men, not pain and anguish, not a heavy burden. It's a joyous burden. You carry joy with you everywhere you go. Can people see the joy of the Lord in you? You carry that joy with you? Is it, is it evident? We used to sing a song, there's joy in the Lord, there's love in his spirit, there's hope in in the knowledge of him. What a great song it was. That's where our joy is, is in the Lord. Why live under heavy bondage when you can live in joy, freedom, and liberty in Jesus Christ? Why take a yoke and place it on yourselves that we can't bear? We read in verse four as we continue. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. They get to Jerusalem, and the elders in them, they receive them. 
They bring them in. They welcome them. And what do they do? They report all the wonderful things that God had done in the Gentiles. They report this, and there's joy and there's gladness. They give glory to God. Paul and Barnabas are forever giving glory to God. They don't take credit for anything. They don't go in there and go, see, look what God did through us. No, it's look what God did. Look what God did. I love that about them. Look what God accomplished. Like I said, here they are in the midst of Judaism, in the home of the Jewish faith, Jerusalem. And they soon find out that there's even more people believing the way of the Judaizers and some very important people as well. As we look at verse five, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Within the church in Jerusalem, this new church, there were people who were strong advocates of the law of Moses but they were ignorant to the relationship between law and grace. They were ignorant to this relationship that existed. Remember back in Acts 6, verse 7, it said a large number of priests believe. These members are now in the Jerusalem church. These people have been trained to respect and obey the law of Moses since a very early age. You know, we sit here and we look back on them and think, gee, how can they do this? They didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have Romans. They didn't have Galatians. They didn't have Hebrews to help you understand about the grace of God and the differences and correctly apply God's grace to our lives and salvation. They didn't have these things. So it's not that surprising that this is happening considering the way that they they believed plus the way they still believed about the Gentiles. Remember, this was a transition period. This was the time of transition. They weren't just Accepting the Gentiles automatically, they still had some reservations. They still had some problems with these Gentiles who they used to call dogs. How dare they come in and accept our God? How dare they do that? So there were some problems here. But what was at issue here was that they were demanding that the Gentiles become Jews first before they become Christians. Their bottom line was it wasn't sufficient for anyone to simply trust in Jesus Christ. They also must trust in the law of Moses and circumcision. Does this sound strange to you? The need to trust in Jesus and Moses for salvation? You're probably saying, that's crazy. We know that you can't believe in both for salvation. We know that it's only Jesus. We know that there's nothing else. Did you ever hear the doctrine of co-redemptrix? The co-redemptrix is the title that's been given to Mary, the mother of Jesus. The concept of co-redemptrix refers to an indirect or unequal but important participation by the Blessed Virgin Mary in redemption, notably that she gave free consent to give life to the Redeemer, to share his life, to suffer with him under the cross, to offer his sacrifice to God and the Father for the sake of redemption of mankind, and to bring about a particular post-assumption graces by the way of intercession. That's what the Catholic Church is teaching in some places. This has not become dogma yet. It's not become established. But there's a group that wants to establish this as a dogmatic issue in the Catholic Church. Co-redemptrist. So this is as far-fetched as we may think. This is not something that happened to some thousand years ago. This is 2012. It's happening now. Jesus plus something or someone else is totally unbiblical. Totally false, and we should expel it from our minds, and it shouldn't be even on our lips. We should not think about anything else. 
We need to be careful. And we need to know the truth and correctly apply the truth to our lives. Let's look at Galatians 5, 1 through 6, as Paul exhorts the church to stand fast. This is an exhortation for all of us today. He says in Galatians 5, verses 1 through 6, Remember I said that Paul, in the book of Galatians, is basically coming against these Judaizers. He's coming against them in full force and teaching that they are wrong. What they're saying is wrong. And at the end of the book of Galatians, he exhorts the church in this fashion. Let me read it to you. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in, Jesus, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. What an exhortation. The fact is very simple. Christ has made us free. If we live in bondage to a legal relationship with God, it isn't because that's God's will. It is our own doing to live in that sort of relationship. It is not God's choice. We're choosing to live in that relationship. We're choosing to live in a righteousness by the law. And if we make this righteousness by the law a righteousness that we try to go to God with, he says, fine, then you have to live by all the law. All 600 and some odd commandments in Leviticus. All of them. Can't just pick and choose which law you will live by. James 2.10 says, for a, for a man, if a man keeps the whole law, yet he offends one point, he's guilty of all. Galatians 3.10, cursed is the man who continues not in the whole law to do what that is written therein. You want to obey the law? You think the law is very important to you? You want to be a legalist? Fine. You must obey it all. You know, God pleads with us to take his strength and to walk in freedom. God is pleading with you today not to be estranged or strangled again with the yoke of bondage. David Guzik said this, significantly it is Christ who has made us free. We don't make ourselves free. Freedom is a gift of Jesus given to us and received by faith. When we struggle to free ourselves, we become more entangled in the yoke of bondage. Christ has made us free. He continues, Paul also makes it emphatic. The liberty, he says, today people live in the headlong pursuit of freedom, which they think is of doing anything they want to do and never denying any desire. This is kind of a freedom, but it's a false liberty. It's not the true liberty that's being talked about here. The true liberty is our freedom from the tyranny of having to earn our way to God. The liberty is our freedom from guilt and sin, and the condemnation thereof. Freedom from the penalty and the power, and eventually freedom from the presence of sin itself. What was at stake here? What were Paul and Barnabas arguing so vehemently about? What was at stake here? For one thing, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ was at stake. 
the actual gospel message was at stake here. The actual salvation of grace, salvation by grace was at stake. Another thing, as we said, this great wall that was built between the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and all the world, was being rebuilt. A separation was going to be, going to happen. We read in Ephesians that Jesus himself broke down that wall. He tore down that wall. He's our peace, and he's broken down every wall. They're trying to rebuild it and make it into an exclusive club. This is what legalism does. It builds walls. Legalism builds walls. One group thinks themselves that they're so super spiritual because they obey these laws. And they view anybody else not spiritual because you don't obey that law. So you can't be as spiritual as us. And they put that yoke under you. They put that bondage under you. Obey this. Obey that. This is what we do. Look how spiritual we are. If you don't believe so, ask us. We'll tell you how spiritual we are. They become exclusive. And the good news of Jesus Christ is reduced to a list of do's and don'ts. The problem here is, and this is a very, very sad thing, This is very, very sad. We've seen it way too often that when you have a co-requirement for faith for salvation, eventually faith gets pushed aside and only the other requirement is looked at. It's no longer faith, it's this. Yeah, 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 you can have your faith, but this is more important. I give you the Mormon church. Talk to one of them. Oh, this is a very important book. Oh, yes, but what? How about this book? We must hold fast to our faith. We must hold fast to the grace that's been given to us. And that is what we must preach. Faith in Jesus Christ, the grace that was given to us, because it is by his precious blood and his precious blood alone that we are saved. We cannot add to it, and we certainly cannot take away from it. If you do, you will find yourselves in peril. In peril. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. You know the song, that makes me white as snow. This is all my hope and what? This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. Don't fall for the lie. Don't believe the lie that says it's something else plus Jesus. It's a lie. And don't leave here today if you are bound up in legalism, if you are in bondage of some way. Let us pray for you. Let us pray that the Lord would break the change of those bondage. And you would be free in the liberty of Christ to enjoy that liberty, to enjoy the grace that God wants you to have, to enjoy the abundant life that only comes by living in that grace, by faith. There's no other way. Nothing but the blood. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope Radio with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of Acts. In this book, you'll hear about many people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were now going to tell others about Jesus, and many were coming to a saving faith. 
If these disciples were just following some flash-in-the-pan rabbi, they wouldn't have been so eager to risk their lives for the sake of telling about this good news. No, it's because they saw it lived out, and they saw the greatest miracle of all happen, Jesus dying and then rising again. What an incredible time to live. So when you're facing opposition and persecution for following Jesus, remember that these disciples did too, and they were willing to face the ramifications for such faith. If you're wrestling with what this means to have a saving faith, we'd love to seek God in prayer with and for you. You can email us your requests at info at capewatchradio.com. If you'd rather call, we can chat with you on the phone too. Our number is 609-884-5821. That phone number once more is 609-884-5821. Anything else you'd like to know about can be found on our website, assurehoperadio.com. We've come to the end of our time together for today, but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave shares some more great things from the Bible here on Assure Hope. Rescued us, we're ready now to stand up on our feet. Born again, we now go out. We set our hope on praise. Sure.